MailChimp just sold for $12 billion to Intuit in the what's being called the largest ever sale of a private bootstrap company. Now there's nothing that perks up a ninja's ears like the words bootstrapped, billion, largest ever. So in this podcast, we're going to do a deep dive into the digital marketing that has taken MailChimp from a pretty unsexy startup in a fairly unloved market way back in 2001, all the way through to a $12 billion exit. They are doing some great stuff. But a little spoiler alert, they are also doing some of the weirdest marketing I have ever seen. And I've seen a lot of really weird marketing. So more on that at the end. I'm also going to be sharing the lessons that we can all take from MailChimp. So obviously, if you're a B2B or you're a SaaS business, there are loads of things that are directly applicable to you. But we're also going to be pulling the lessons that every one of us can be implementing in our digital marketing based on what's worked so well for MailChimp. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency. And this show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales through your website. This is the MailChimp Deep Dive. So MailChimp, for those who don't know, is an email marketing platform, or at least it kind of was an email marketing platform. So it started out as an email marketing platform. And over time, it's added more and more functionality and more features to its platform to become more like a general marketing platform. Now, they've targeted the smaller business side of the market. This is a really crowded space for email marketing platforms. And it's one that's got progressively less sexy over the decade as more marketing attention moves away from email and over to things like social and PPC. Now, that's not to say that email marketing isn't effective. It is ridiculously effective, and it's often one of the highest ROI things that we do for our clients. But what that does mean is that MailChimp has had to kind of broaden its offering in order to stay relevant. Now, they're running from a pretty standard subscription business model, typical SaaS thing where you can get people signed up for free, and then they can pay to upgrade their account in order to get access to additional features and to expand their email list. This means that their customer acquisition cost versus lifetime value calculation is king. They need to be able to acquire customers and escalate those customers into paying subscribers profitably. If they can do that, they can reinvest that money in marketing and keeping growing. In fact, acquiring customers profitably is exactly how MailChimp has managed to grow because it has taken zero investment from outside investors until selling to Intuit for $12 billion. So this is an incredible case study and we can look at exactly what MailChimp has done to grow its visibility because this has worked. This isn't a business that has done some digital marketing, but it's been grown by some other method. This is a pure digital marketing first business. So let's have a look at how they do it. Now, as we often do with these deep dives, we're going to start with their website because the website for any SaaS business is really where the rubber meets the road. This is where that traffic is going to either convert and sign up or not convert. Now, what I've done in the video version of this podcast is I've taken you way back to 2001 and had a look at the very, very first iteration of MailChimp. 
Now, if you're a startup business, then you'll find some comfort in the first version of MailChimp's website. Because looking at it today, it looks horrific. It's super basic. It's got this really aggressive kind of yellow ochre background, which is searing itself into my eyeballs. But even going straight back to this website from 2001, there are some kind of little tells, some little cues that tell you they really knew what they were doing and they knew their market. Now, I'm just going to read you some of the main headlines on this tiny page, which is about the size of an iPhone. So the first headline is, MailChimp makes HTML email easy. Okay, so that's a very clear value proposition. They know exactly what they're doing and they can describe their product. We've got the kind of subheadlines, which are all about the features or the benefits. So simple copy and paste interface, very affordable. And then another headline, which is what makes MailChimp different from the rest with some bullet points about why they're different. This is pretty cool. This is the sort of stuff that we're recommending websites add these days. So they've got everything that they need, right? They've got a very clear proposition. They know what they're offering. They know exactly what their most important features or benefits are, and they can clearly describe what makes them different from their competitors. The main call to action on this page is a free trial, which is still the main call to action on MailChimp today. Now, of course, you sign up for an account and it's free to sign up for account. So they've slightly changed the wording, but the concept is exactly the same. It's a limited offering that you can get free and then you pay in order to get the full offering. They've also got screenshots on this page, which every day we're reviewing SaaS businesses that are trying to sell a software product without including screenshots without showing the potential customer what they actually get when they purchase or sign up. So they're doing a lot of really good stuff, right? You can fill in your email address in order to get an example email, which is a great soft CTA if someone isn't ready to take the action now. And they've got testimonials as well. They've got the credibility triggers there. So whilst this page looks like absolute rubbish, actually in 2001, it wouldn't have looked so basic, but they've got all of the key marketing things that we would want to see on a homepage and they've nailed it. So this is kind of cute to look back on 2001. Actually, it shows us that they knew what they were and they had the key marketing messages there. Now, as things got a bit more advanced in 2005, they started to upgrade the site a little bit. We've got this kind of winking chimp icon, and it's a much more refreshed layout, but we've still got the same things. It's a free trial. That's the thing that they're encouraging people to sign up. They've added a video tour, and they've got a free lead magnet, which is an email design guide, which you can click to sign up for. So we know that this is a business that is based on good quality marketing fundamentals. They get it. They know what they need to do. Now, fast forward to today on the MailChimp site, we still have some of the stuff that made them great. Okay, so we've still got sign up free. You can't really beat that as a SaaS business sign up offer because it is low risk. It's low commitment. It allows people to see exactly what they're getting we still have sort of a clear description of what they do. We've got some brand logos of companies that use them, which is great for building credibility. And some of these are larger companies, some of them are smaller companies. So that kind of, if their target audience is small business, you want some larger businesses so that you have credibility with your small business customers. But you also do want some smaller companies listed as well, so that those small businesses don't just think, well, this is just an enterprise solution. 
So they've got that. But one of the challenges that they have these days is that as they've added more features and offerings into their subscription, it's become more and more difficult to describe what they do. And that's made the language a lot more confusing. This is no longer just an email marketing platform. Although we recommend hundreds of businesses to go to MailChimp each year for an email marketing platform, looking at their website and spending some time having a look for this video, I actually couldn't tell you in one sentence what MailChimp does. It seems to consider that it's some kind of small business growth platform, but that's really difficult to nail down. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the Monday.com deep dive that we did where, you know, Monday.com didn't want to be project management software. It wanted to be something else. It wanted to be something bigger. And whilst that's an admirable desire, what it means for the potential customer, for the visitors, they're landing on that page and they're like, I, I actually, I don't know what this is. So for example, the headline on the MailChimp site on the homepage says, reach your customers at all the right moments. Get advanced automations that stay in touch with customers and encourage them to make purchases available with our standard plan. I've got no idea what that actually is. Is that email? Is it text? Is it all of the above? Is it people going around to their houses? Available with our standard plan, like they're already talking about plans, but you know, I'm not even there yet. I'm here to try and figure out what this thing does. And then we've got a headline which says do it all with MailChimp, which probably is the kind of core problem here is that because you can do lots of things, you can build your website, you can run your marketing, that actually it's very difficult for them to pin down what they do. So this is a big challenge. Active campaign, if we look at one of their competitors, kind of having a similar thing. So their main headline is actually get started today with 50% off all plans. Join 150,000 people like you using the number one customer experience automation platform. Now customer experience automation is pure jargon. I know the small and medium sized business marketing manager. This is who we spend all of our lives talking to at Exposure Ninja. And what they say is, who do you use for email marketing? Who should I use email marketing for? And the trouble is with calling this a customer experience automation platform and leading with packages and saying advanced automations that stay in touch with customers and all this kind of generic jargon, it means you're actually leaving behind the thing that people are looking for. What's really interesting is Aweber, and we've had Liz Willits from Aweber on the podcast before. Aweber says, get email marketing, landing pages, web push notifications, and so much more when you sign up free today. Well, that tells us exactly what this is about. They've started with their key features, email marketing, landing pages, web push notifications. And then rather than trying to tell us that you can do everything that you could possibly ever want to do, they've just said, and so much more. And then they're just channeling you into the free trial so you can actually figure it out and have a play with it. So I think rather than going broad with the language and talking or trying to redefine the conversation and having some new word for it, just talk in the language that the customer is looking for. If I'm looking for email marketing software, just freaking call it email marketing software with so much more. You can build landing pages, you can build websites, you can get your domain all through our email marketing software and marketing platform. Like just make it really simple for people to understand. I mean, this is one of the challenges with a brand like MailChimp as it starts adding the stuff. So the key principle here is you need to be able to explain what you do in a way that your target customers understand quickly and simply. 
What you're really looking for is that resonance between what they're looking for and what you do. So they look at this and go, great, that is exactly what I need, right? If I need email marketing, and I go onto this site, and it says email marketing platform, plus you can build your website, host landing pages and all that type of stuff. I'm like, great, okay, cool. This is what I need, plus more. If I go onto that page, and I'm like, uh, this is a customer experience automation platform on their standard plan. I'm like, drop me out, mate, just tell me what it is. So are you suffering from a similar thing? That's something to play with in your spare time. Next, let's now move along and have a look at how they are driving traffic. Now we're going to start with search, they are doing paid and organic search, obviously, because you don't grow to $12 billion without growing organic and paid search. Now their organic search is going well. It's going really well. If we look in SE ranking, and again, if you watch the video version of this on YouTube, you'll see me kind of breaking down things. If we look in SE ranking, we can see they've got some decent organic traffic. SE ranking is estimating that they're getting around about 1.2 million visits per month from organic search and around about quarter of a million or actually slightly more 287,000 visits from paid search. So they're doing a lot of stuff. If we have a look at the keywords that they're ranking for, we see that a large percentage of their traffic is actually coming from branded search. So there's two reasons for this, right? With a brand like MailChimp, yes, a lot of people have heard of them in their marketing, but also a lot of people are using that as a navigational search. I need to log into MailChimp so I can manage my email marketing campaigns. I'm already a customer. So we've got some existing customer search here, and we've also got some new customer search here. As we can see from the fact that MailChimp login, that keyword is searched for 165,000 times per month on Google. So that's great. And it's fantastic to see that they've got that kind of branded visibility. Obviously, the opportunity for them to grow and acquire more customers is to rank for stuff that isn't just branded. So it's great to see that they're ranking for stuff like digital marketing. Now, I'm not ranking everywhere in the world, but in the US at least, they're ranking position one for digital marketing. And the reason that they're doing that is they have this glossary on their site, which is key marketing terms defined. And this is great. This is the basis of a really good kind of information focused search strategy. They've got this really detailed piece. It's probably on desktop on a massive, I don't know how many words it's going to be maybe 3000 4000 words, I would estimate all about digital marketing. What is digital marketing inbound marketing versus digital marketing B2B versus B2C types of digital marketing, pay per click affiliate, native marketing automation, email marketing, the benefits of digital, you know, exactly the sort of content that you would write from scratch if you had to rank for a broad term like digital marketing. So what's the play? How are they using this to generate signups for MailChimp? This to me is where the wheels start to come off somewhat. Ranking for digital marketing is fine. You could argue that someone who's searching for digital marketing isn't necessarily ready for MailChimp, because if you don't know what digital marketing is, then you're probably too early in your journey, or that someone who's searching for digital marketing is, you know, there's something else going on, right? That's not a massively high commercial intent phrase. It's not, but then to be fair, MailChimp has a call to action with their sign up for free that actually would suit someone who is very new to digital marketing because you can basically do all of your digital marketing on the MailChimp platform. So actually, I would argue that the call to action, their lead gen piece should work really well for this. The catch though, is that they are not pushing it very heavily at all. 
So when I'm reading this article, I don't come away thinking, wow, MailChimp sounds good. I don't even come away thinking I can do digital marketing on MailChimp. All I come away thinking is, oh, so that's what digital marketing is, right? They've even got a section on email marketing in this article, and it doesn't link to any commercial page on the MailChimp website. It doesn't even link their email marketing page on the site. It links to a glossary page about what is email marketing. So there's no attempt here to sign me up. If I scroll all the way to the bottom, there's a generic CTA that says, take your business to the next level, start today. But the trouble is I've had no context about what MailChimp is. So that CTA means absolutely nothing to me whatsoever. There's no way I'm going to click on that because take your business to the next level. In what way? How does that relate to the content that I've read? So if I were them, I'd be re-engineering all of this. And this is a common problem for businesses that have a lot of blog or information content ranking is that it will rank and it will get traffic, but it won't get leads and it won't get signups because it is just written purely to be informative without any attempt to make the sale. This is a little bit like having a shop assistant who is very, very helpful and very knowledgeable about the products that they sell. I had this experience, we're considering buying a piano. So I walk into the piano showroom and ask the showroom person about this particular electric piano and does it integrate with the apps and they're very knowledgeable and they're very helpful. And then at the end of the conversation, I say, okay, thank you. And that's it. Thank you very much. See you later. And that's exactly what this type of thing is. It's just information without any attempt to take that into the next stage of the relationship, which is sign up free of charge. So this article really should be about digital marketing and how to do it right. Let's show some examples of people using the MailChimp platform. So types of digital marketing, content marketing. Here are some screenshots of people doing content marketing stuff in MailChimp. Email marketing. Here are some quick tips on how to use email marketing using MailChimp. And by the way, if you're interested in using this, you can sign up free of charge. Click here. So by doing that, you're not going to damage your ranking. You're not going to put Google off and actually you're going to make this article more engaging. There's not a single image in this article, so it's pretty dry. They could make this better for users and they could make it a better sign up funnel if they did that. So I'd love to see them do some of that type of stuff. Okay, anyway, back to organic search and what they're ranking for. Now, what they've done is, I would imagine what they've done is they've looked at email marketing type searches and they've realized that they're fairly limited in search volume and also they're not massively on the up, right? So what they might have done or what I would have hoped they've done if this were, you know, if this was how they were thinking is they'd have looked for, okay, so what else are people buying at the stage that they might be ready for email marketing? One of those things is website builders. So one of the challenges to MailChimp's email marketing crown is that someone like GoDaddy, for example, who has domain name as the start of the process, then the website builder, then the email marketing piece comes after that. Like you kind of need to work in that order. So one of the dangers for MailChimp would be that GoDaddy starts email marketing and then it gets that kind of small business audience. So what MailChimp has done is they've kind of worked in reverse order. So they started from the email marketing and then they've added in a website builder service and even domains. So they've started ranking for terms like website builder by adding a website building feature into their service. So you can now build a website in MailChimp, which is all great. And you'll see that the cost per click for a term like website builder is around about $12.5. So this is not a particularly cheap term to rank for because 
everyone who's doing it is getting a subscription out of those signups. The feature page that's ranking for that, so what they've got on their website is they've got mailchimp.com forward slash features, and then they've got sub pages for each of the different features on the platform, which is a great way of doing it because it means they can rank each of those individual feature pages for things like website builder. And the website builder page is decent. It's there's a little headline that says website builder, launch your website for free, shows you how it works. You've got uh, calls to action throughout, start styling, start building, start refining, start publishing. You're never far from a CTA. Now, I would possibly say that, you know, they want to work on these CTAs a little bit. There's just the word that says start publishing, for example. So I'd maybe start publishing using MailChimp's free website builder or, or, you know, whatever the terminology needs to be, whichever package you need to get the website builder. But I think they could make it a little bit more descriptive. But on the whole, this is a reasonably decent page. Now, it's ranking in position five in the US. If you look at the top ranking page, which is the GoDaddy one, you'll see one of the biggest differences between that and the MailChimp page is that the GoDaddy one has even more content on, which is a fairly typical thing to see, right? In this case, the GoDaddy one has loads of accordions with the top questions people have about website building and their website builder. For example, why should I have a website? What is GoDaddy website builder? How can I keep my website secure? How can I customize my website? How about a shop? So all of these, you click on them and then you see this huge description. And really, this is, yes, you could argue that it's there for conversion. If someone really has a question, why should I have a website? Then they could get that answer from this page. But really, it's there for SEO, right? Really, it's there for SEO. They're trying to build out the amount of information on this page. So that's something that MailChimp could do if they wanted to improve the ranking of this website builder page. But also, you know, part of this is going to be just giving it time because it's a reasonably new feature. Loads of content on their site. This whole knowledge base glossary type thing is massive. And my problem or their opportunity with all of it is that there is no commercial attempt really to monetize any of that traffic at all. So even for example, when you search for email marketing on Google, the top page that's ranking is the email marketing glossary page on the MailChimp site and not any of their core email marketing service pages or feature pages. But there's no call to action, right? They're selling email marketing software, you go on the email marketing page, and there's no call to action other than this, you know, ambiguous floater CTA at the right at the bottom. It's ludicrous. So the key lesson here is yes, provide information on your website, have informational content, Google loves ranking this stuff. But don't just provide information. Think of the helpless piano salesman sharing all their advice and knowledge about pianos and never selling a single piano because they don't ask for the sale. Always be thinking about how you can generate signups from the information that you're sharing. So that's the SEO side of things. Let's move on and have a bit of a look at the paid traffic side of things because they are putting some decent budget into PPC. In fact, SE Ranking estimates that they're spending around about $2 million. I don't know, is that for per month? That can't be per month. Let's have a look. Yeah, no, it does think that they're spending $2 million per month on PPC. Whether that's right or not, I'm not too sure. But you've always got to be a little bit mindful of some of these tools and the data that they kind of extrapolate their guesses based on guesses. But nevertheless, lots of PPC going on, it's fair to say. Now, this is kind of interesting. They've obviously done the website builder, website building keywords with SEO, but they are also bidding on these keywords in paid search as well. So for example, 
The top keyword that's driving them the most traffic through PPC is MailChimp, which you would expect. This is a competitive space. They're going to have brands bidding on their name. MailChimp login as well, same sort of thing. But then the next highest traffic keywords are unrelated to email marketing. For example, website make. <laughs> Don't you just love how people search? Um, free website building, free website builders, how to start a business, website creators. Okay, so a lot of these terms are about website builders. And we can see the strategic importance to them of the website builder feature on their website, even if they were only using it as a way of getting people who are at that stage of the buying journey. And they're going through to the website builder page on the website, which is exactly what we would expect. Now, I was curious to see how they kind of came to this conclusion. And what it was really interesting, I found an interview that is actually on their website. It's called the future of the website builder. So MailChimp's new website builder, this is where they announced their new website builder feature. And it was posted by the founder of MailChimp. And I just had a flick through to see like, why did they decide to add this website builder to their feature list when it's such a competitive space and there are specialist platforms out there already? Well, it was really interesting. It was actually customer research driven. So they worked with a research firm to survey small business owners about their startup experience. They then tested some concepts to help them figure out what entrepreneurs who were just starting a business would need from a website builder. And then they invited small groups of customers to try out their version of the builder and see what features they needed to add or take away. So actually, they found that 31% of respondents starting up a small business ranked marketing as their biggest challenge. So they knew that there was going to be lots of opportunity for this website builder. And they knew that this was exactly their target audience. So they didn't just build a website builder just ad hoc just on a whim they actually researched and they backed that decision with data, which is really fascinating and kind of gives us a bit of an insight into how they're thinking about the marketing and how they're thinking about their platform development as well. There's also a lot of competitor targeting with their PPC, as we would expect in any space like this. So for example, they're even advertising against terms like create a Google form, which is kind of interesting, right? Because you could almost say that that is a navigational search. I've already got Google account, I'm just looking to build a Google form. But MailChimp is running ads against that with free customizable forms, our intuitive form builder makes it easy to create customizable forms that drive results. This obviously is they've identified that people who are building forms are also potentially MailChimp customers, and they're willing to lead with their free custom form builder as a way of getting these people signed up. So we see the challenge basically of growing a SaaS business and adding on more customers as we start to reach saturation or as our core market becomes more competitive. We have to start looking around at other spaces and seeing who's doing stuff that's just slightly outside our remit that we can kind of bring into our fold. And where else are those customers spending their time so that we can start targeting that and we can start getting some of that visibility. Now throughout the ad copy that they're running is pretty decent. So they're talking about features as we just heard with that ad, it's all written for their target audience doesn't try too hard. And they're also often leading with free. So remember, you can sign up for MailChimp free, and then you pay to get additional features. By the way, we're not affiliated with MailChimp at all. We actually don't recommend it as the main platform that people use just in case you're wondering if there's anything devious about this that there really isn't. <laughs> so the key lesson with their PPC strategy or paid search strategy is if you're ready to expand beyond just people that are ready for you now, look at what else your customers are buying around the time that they're ready for you. 
Okay, what else are they buying around the time that they're ready for you? So can you build up content on your site? Or even can you build those features into your product so that you can get those visitors signed up? Are forms a core function of MailChimp software? Probably not, but they've just identified that they can move into that space in order to get customers that are roundabout ready for MailChimp. Okay, so we've looked at organic search, we've looked at paid search, let's move into socials. And this is where things get a little bit sticky. And later on, they get absolutely freaking mental sticky. But anyway, let's start with their socials. So the good news is they're everywhere, right? They've got all of the social channels that you would expect. They've also got a reasonable audience as well. They've got, you know, it's in the hundreds of thousands of visitors on most of the platforms. Nothing's like going crazy, but you know, they've got a small business audience, so they're never going to be in the millions. That's not true. If you look at Shopify, Shopify has millions across most of its channels. So there is that. The other good thing about MailChimp, and by the way, the good list isn't that long, but the other good thing about MailChimp on social is that all of their posts look really good. They look really slick, really pro. Everything is like very heavily brown guidelined. All the videos and everything, super high production value. The images, everything is on point. It looks great. They've also got sub brands for some of their different content assets, which I'm dying to tell you about in a minute. But they've got sub brands in each of these hat looks to have their own set of brand guidelines as well. So clearly the visuals are something that they've put a lot of thought into. They're running ads in most territories on Facebook and Instagram as well. Then things start to get a little bit weird, it's like a weirdness slippery slope where it starts to get a little bit weird and then it just kind of escalates into just almost fast. Anyway, one of the surprising things I found almost immediately on their Facebook page, for example, was they are getting a fair amount of hate on their Facebook post. They've got half a million followers. They're getting almost no organic engagement at all, really. Posted 13 hours ago, not a single interaction. One that was posted four days ago, it's got five likes. So really, really low organic engagement. By the way, it's no surprise because there's absolutely no value to the customer in any of these posts. But that's almost not the worst thing about it. The worst thing about it is that post with the five likes has had nine comments. Now, a lot of these comments look to have been deleted because I can only see one, two, three, four, five. So classic indication that some of them have been hidden, let's say. So MailChimp are doing some sort of admin, but someone's saying, I've got a free account, the button to upload pictures isn't working. MailChimp has replied saying, hey, send us a DM with a screenshot of your issue. We'd be more than happy to help. That's great. But then there's other posts. I need to speak with you guys. You've suspended my account with no reasons. Please contact me. Someone else saying, same here. Someone else saying, it's clear they do not care. There's another comment on the same post. Do not use this service. Their treatment of customers is horrible. But there are no replies from MailChimp. No one is trying to address this. And this is not a one-off, right? The next post down. 10 interactions this time with two comments. The most visible comment, I'm getting sick of seeing your ads on YouTube. Go away, I will never use this. The next post down, what does the acquisition by Intuit mean for our rates? Okay, people are concerned. The next post down, it's a similar story. I'm not going to just pile in, but it's a similar story. Someone saying, are you guys down? There are no replies on any of these negative posts. This isn't just a Facebook thing. The same thing is happening on Instagram. Same thing is happening on Twitter. 
Why not respond? This is a company that's just sold for $12 billion. Your customers are using your social to vent and to raise customer service issues. Other customers are using social to check whether they want to work with you. How does this impact your perception of MailChimp seeing Firstly, all of these angry customers, but secondly, seeing that MailChimp hasn't responded to any of them. The impact is only negative, so it just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I don't understand how a business can be investing so much in their marketing, which we'll come on to later, and not doing this basic stuff. Other people saying, MailChimp instantly froze my account, this is on Instagram, for violation of terms of service. No reason, no explanation, just frozen. I sent one email to one client to promote my business. I do not recommend using their service. Four weeks ago, no replies. Another one, very similar message, no replies. It's super, super weird. So they clearly need to address this because this is the sort of thing that can get quite out of hand. And it's just chinks in the armor that affects people's perception. Think about it. You know, some of these email marketing keywords, they might be spending $12, $15 per click on getting people onto the site. They then might be going through a process of signing up or, you know, onboarding with the free account, adding them on socials. And then they see this stuff. It's just crazy. It's, you know, this is a $1,000 solution to a big problem. I can't get it. Okay, now let's talk about their Facebook ad strategy because they're using social ads. And as I said before, the content looks great. It's all super slick. It's filmed natively for Facebook. So it's all, you know, vertical. It just looks really good. They're doing a really good job of this. They're running across Facebook and Insta. That's it. They're not doing audience network or messenger. Now their ads are really kind of dry. They've come with it with the creative, they've put time into the video, and they've put almost no time or no energy into the ad writing, the copy. It's just talking about MailChimp. It's all about MailChimp. It's about us, it's about look at us. Now, I began thinking, why don't they start sharing customer success? Because this would actually be a great top of funnel strategy where they can talk about this particular customer that showcase a customer and how they've used MailChimp to build their business and to grow their brand. This would be fantastic. This is the sort of thing, for example, that Shopify has done with incredible success. So by doing this, what you do is you kind of reduce the fatigue of someone constantly seeing your ads. Because if I show you 100 ads from Exposure Ninja, and they're all Exposure Ninja's great, here's the things that we do, sign up for Exposure Ninja now, that gets fatiguing. Whereas if instead, it was here's this particular business that we've helped grow with digital marketing, here's the story, here's what they got out of it, here are the lessons. Well, that's actually really powerful. You like that stuff. I hope you're listening to a podcast about it. Anyway, you like that stuff. That's value adding. So Shopify does this fantastically. They celebrate their customers. And there's also a credibility piece there as well, because customers are happy to be featured in the videos using Shopify. So I'd love to see MailChimp testing that sort of thing. So that's the ads. Now let's look at the content of some of their other organic posts. And this is where I started to be a little bit confused. So on their Instagram page, they've got a whole bunch of these posts, which are all about call pull. So in one particular post, the graphic says call pull, small business spotlight, adventure cats, Laura Moss, co-founder and editor in chief. So I'm looking at this thinking, great, here we've got a customer championing success story. Then I'll read the text in the post. 
And it says Adventure Cats is a blog and online store that helps felines and their human friends explore and enjoy their outdoors together. On this week's Small Business Spotlight, Laura Moss gives us a glimpse of what it's like to run the business. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're trying something new on this season of Call Paul and running 10 minute audio diaries from businesses we want to support. And I'm like, okay, but where's the link? Where's more information? What do we learn? Where do we get anything out of this? Like, where's the benefit to me? Great, I can listen to Laura talk about the cat business, but what's the takeaways? And it started to make me wonder, okay, is there a strategy behind this? Is there actually something going on? No one's engaging with them. You've got people, again, it's just the torrent of complaints about stuff that's going on. We're going to come back to call Paul a bit later on. Okay, that's almost the end of the ad strategy before we get into the super weird stuff. One other thing I just wanted to touch on is the other thing I think they could be doing is they've got all these different feature pages on their website for different features like the website builder, like the email marketing piece, like landing pages. Why not run retargeting ads to people who've been on each of these, talking about the specific features, showing some examples of what you can build with the website builder and that type of thing. Because actually what they might find is that instead of having one audience, they've got multiple audiences is some are into the website builder, some are into the email marketing, some want to be in SMS, some want to be in marketing automation. So we can actually run tailored marketing campaigns to them based on the pages that they've visited. And this is important for you if you have a sort of business which has these different kind of separate audiences, not to treat everyone like they're interested in the same parts of your business to make that feel a little bit more tailored. Really, the main issue with MailChimp social to kind of wrap this up is the whole thing is just broadcast. It's just shouting out. The key takeaway here is think of social like it's you with a bunch of fans in the room. Okay, you're on the stage. Definitely. You're not just in amongst the crowd because you own the platform, but you're taking questions and you're getting interaction from your audience. Social doesn't work as just a broadcast to the masses. It's not a megaphone just slamming the audience's ears and not listening to anything in return. Think of it more like a conversation. So there's loads that MailChimp could do with half a million followers on Facebook, with how many on Instagram. It's just loading 145k. Well, that tells you that the content strategy isn't working. But with what should be hundreds of thousands or even millions of followers on Instagram, This is a great opportunity to make this a hub for small business growth. At the moment, it's just broadcast for stuff that people don't really care about and would see no relevance to them in following whatsoever. So if you just shout random things about yourself from the front of the room, your audience doesn't really know why they're there. They'll eventually just tune out. And that's exactly what we see with the limited organic reach. I did promise you at the start that I would talk about some of the weird marketing that MailChimp is doing. And let me be honest, when I say weird, I'm not exaggerating, right? I know I have a tendency towards hyping things and getting excited about stuff. But when I tell you that the MailChimp marketing team is doing some weird stuff, Timmy ain't exaggerating. Here's some of the weirdest stuff I found. And it sounds a little bit like, I don't know if you know Alan Partridge. For listeners in the UK, you may know Alan Partridge. For listeners overseas, you probably won't know Alan Partridge. But Alan Partridge is a spoof character. He's a bit of a fool. He's a radio DJ that thinks that he's the next greatest broadcaster anyway. And he had this segment on Alan Partridge uh, TV programs where he would record these ideas for TV shows. And the joke was that they were pointless. He'd often think about the name and then work out some really weird concept that worked with a bad pun in the name. It was that kind of thing. And Alan Partridge was the fool. He was the person that everybody laughs at, right? Well, 
<laughs> Are you ready? What about a trade show mockumentary about the world of trade shows, about the weird stuff that goes on called The Trade Show Show? Huh? Is that Alan Partridge or is that MailChimp? I should have presented this as a game. Like, is it Alan Partridge or is it MailChimp? Well, MailChimp did it. They recorded a documentary video series, a mockumentary video series, a spoof about the world of trade shows and called it The Trade Show Show. Okay. Alan Partridge clip number two, the Y finders, Y finders, as in Wi-Fi, Y finders, clever, huh? Well, this is a series about entrepreneurs working remotely in different cities. Okay, what about Second Act? Second Act is a video series about people starting a second business or starting a business later in life. The weirdest one I found, The Jump. This is a podcast hosted by Shirley Manson, who, if you don't know Shirley Manson, she's the singer from 90s indie band Garbage, where she talks with musicians about the moment that defined their artistic identity. This is a podcast for musicians about the moment that musicians found their artistic identity. Now, let's take a step back a second. We are an email marketing platform trying to sell to small and medium-sized business owners. What on earth are we recording a podcast about musicians hosted by Shirley Manson? I'm sure it's a great podcast. It's exactly the sort of podcast that we would expect the BBC, for example, to produce because they're a public service broadcaster. Their remit is to create stuff that is entertaining for the general public. But email marketing platform, building a website builder, how on earth does this relate? Yes, I know, you know, you could potentially find a way of weaving it into some sort of strategy by saying that maybe musicians are a target audience for MailChimp. Maybe they might want to get musicians listening to these podcasts, and then they could subtly weave in mentions of MailChimp. But Shirley Manson isn't a MailChimp advocate. The, the people that she's getting on, they're not MailChimp customers talking about their lifetime with MailChimp and how they've marketed their business. This is mental. This is a stretch. I really am struggling to kind of connect at all. The only reason I found any of this, as someone who's been following MailChimp and using MailChimp for years, the only reason I found any of this folly is that I was looking at their videos on YouTube. I ordered them by the most watched and found that their most watched videos on YouTube were adverts for these seemingly random series. And they've basically built a Netflix style section of their website called MailChimp Presents, which is all these documentaries and video series and podcasts. They've driven quarter of a million views to ads for some of these videos, but there is no CTA. There is no description of where you would find them at all. These are 16 second spots, which are designed to be pre-roll or mid-roll ads on YouTube. The only one I could find that had any link in the description to where you would actually check this out was for second act. It's a 15 second snippet where two women are outside a cafe talking about the fact that they've just taken a lease on this premises. And then at the end it says second act, see the series on MailChimp Presents. There is actually a link, but it's been hacked and it takes me through to what appears to be some kind of slot machine or gambling or poker thing, right? That's the link on YouTube. Now, I was already thinking, what on earth is this? But that's just taken it to another level. So this is super weird. 
not only doesn't it appear to be strategic for their marketing at all, or if it does, then it's a level of strategy that I've definitely never come across. And is just too much for my two dimensional brain. But where there is a call to action, it's some kind of weird poker link. It's just odd. From a company that's just sold for $12 billion to have this is really difficult for me to understand. Okay, let's be clear. I don't mind if you want to build a sort of SME focused Netflix. That's totally cool. Some businesses have done this type of thing really well. So ClickFunnels, for example, has, uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like their hacker library or something. It's basically like a Netflix for business. But what they've done is they focused the topics. They've made this topic strategic to their customers. And MailChimp could also do this. Why not talk about digital marketing that businesses have done? How cafe businesses have promoted themselves online, the best digital marketing strategies for whoever. And they can find people who've used MailChimp and use the various tools on their platform to do this and they can share this. And that would be awesome. They could host the videos on YouTube. At the moment, they're hosting all of these privately. So there's absolutely no organic visibility for them whatsoever. Host them on YouTube if you do a great teardown of you know how to build a cafe business's online presence using MailChimp tools. That's great. You might get hundreds of thousands or even millions of views for that. But hosting them privately, making them super weird, and instead of making kind of useful tutorials and informational stuff, just making these weird documentaries just means that it's totally siloed and feels just honestly, it feels like they've hired a bunch of video or script writers and just tried to find a use for them rather than thinking strategically about what we need to actually do. So I'm not saying don't build a content strategy. I'm not saying don't go outside the lines and you know, stick to just promoting your business the whole time. Absolutely build informational, educational stuff if you're at that stage. But for ninja's sake, do it after you've sorted out your social media, the stuff that people are looking at and seeing every single day, the stuff where when I see a MailChimp post, all I'm seeing is people ripping into how the customer service is terrible. Sort that stuff out first before you make a video series about people who love quilting called Quilt Fever. I mean, it almost sounds like a joke, doesn't it? So I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm struggling with that stuff. If you've enjoyed this podcast so far, by the way, don't forget to subscribe also leave us a review. We love reading the reviews. It energizes our ninja bones and makes us jump out of bed in the morning with our ninja springiness. So please leave us a review. Also, don't forget, if you want help with your digital marketing, we have a free website and digital marketing review. If you fill in a short questionnaire on our website at exposureninja.com, we will record a 15-minute video showing you how to generate more leads through your website with your digital marketing. It's totally free of charge, totally bespoke to you, and it's totally awesome. To go to ExposureNinja.com to request your free website and digital marketing review today. Let's wrap up. So I'm going to wrap up with some actionable steps, the lessons that we can take from all of this stuff, because it's quite a roller coaster, isn't it? They've obviously done some stuff really well. They've just sold the largest bootstrapped sale ever, right? Amazing. Congrats, MailChimp. You've absolutely smashed it. So let's not get derailed by the fact they've done some stuff really well. What's the stuff that we really want to copy? Well, think back to the early days of MailChimp. They nailed their description of what the business does. They nailed it in their customer's language. They knew this very early on, and that's what's helped them to grow. That's what's helped them to build such strong positioning in such a competitive space. Yes, now it's getting a bit more muddy as they add in more features, but their growth has come from that tried and tested, here's what we've got, here's what it'll do for you, here's what you need to do next. 
They've always had a clear next step, a clear sign-up process. Sign-up free is killer. When you can do it, it's a killer CTA for SaaS. The other thing I really love that they've done is that they've thought about what else their audience is in the mood for when they're about to become a potential customer. The web builder. Great logical step for MailChimp. So I challenge you here, what is yours? What else are customers buying when they're ready to buy from you? Now, you should only get into this stuff once you've already you know, taken care of the basics of your business. You've got ranking, you've got ads, you've got visibility for the things that you do. But once you've got there, what else are people looking for? That allows you to expand vertically and to deepen your offering with other stuff that they're buying at the same sort of time. And of course, they've smashed their organic search and their paid search strategy on a really good job. So what are the pitfalls that we want to avoid? What are the lessons that we want to learn maybe on the not so positive side of things? Well, firstly, thinking that social media is just all about pretty pictures. This is a real danger and it's an easy trap to fall into just thinking that great creative is going to make your social channels popular. It's absolutely not. It's one of the things that, you know, C-suite loves to see or these social posts, they look absolutely great. But unless they're actually relevant to the audience and interesting to the audience, looking great isn't enough to get people's engagement on social media. Because guess what? Everything looks great these days, right? You can only really lose with design. No one's going to follow MailChimp because all their images are on brand. That's not going to get you any followers. Yes, having rubbish content might lose you followers. But having great pictures isn't going to make people go, oh, I need to be following this page. It all comes back to value. So that's a pitfall that we all have to make sure we avoid. The next pitfall is publishing a ton of info content on their site without a clear way of turning that into leads. It's such a waste of energy. Such a waste of energy. Yes, it's great to have ranking for all these terms. But if it's not turning into customers, it's pointless. <laughs> and the third mistake that we want to avoid is just this super wide, super weird podcast with Alanis Morissette talking about musicians or original series, unless it actually makes sense to your audience, unless you know that this is increasing engagement, then focus on the stuff that is leading to sales. We can become a media company, a media platform later once we've exhausted everything else. But you know, if you're not covering the basics, don't go way off piece with this stuff. I hope you've enjoyed this teardown. I loved looking into this. I've got to be honest, I was really surprised by some of the stuff I found. But you can see why MailChimp has grown into such a huge company. And congrats to everyone involved for the fantastic growth that they've seen over the years. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We release a new episode at least every week. And I'll see you next time.